Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Everyone's looking at me like he's going to make a stand for the whole sermon. Whoa! Quite a morning here. Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Man, that hour of, that extra hour of sleep must have helped you guys this morning. I didn't know if we were going to be ready for all that here, uh, but I'm glad we are. Uh, see, and it's interesting. I, I like that call and response, but usually it's reserved for a very particular time of year, a very special day, right? Uh, usually that is a phrase that we only say on Easter. And for whatever reason, we say kind of in Easter, the season of Easter, maybe the Sunday or two after, but that's kind of it. And it's interesting, right? Because if you walk around on Easter Sunday, everyone is saying it to each other. Instead of saying hello, how are you, or anything else, we share that call and response with one another. Now, uh, you may be wondering then, why in the world are we saying it on this random, perhaps November morning? And well, it's not just because I wanted to hear it this morning, and it's not because I wanted to make sure you're awake, though I think those are good reasons. First of all, uh, one of the reasons that I wanted to start with that this morning is because of what today is. Uh, the Feast of All Saints, uh, All Saints Day as we commonly know it. And All Saints Day, of course, is usually celebrated and honored on November 1st. Uh, and usually we celebrate whatever Sunday is closest to that after November 1st, which of course is today. And for those of you who might not know what All Saints Day is, All Saints Day, of course, is uh, the celebration when we celebrate all of the saints, all believers in Christ, and the victory that Jesus has over death and his glorious resurrection. It's a day in which we honor and we remember those who have died in the faith and how one day, because of Christ's victory over death in the grave, we will be united once again. Now, the second reason that I began with that Easter proclamation this morning is actually because of something that Pastor Mark says every once in a while. Um, if uh, you've ever talked to him about worship and, and what he thinks about worship, how he plans a service, he always says that uh, every Sunday is a mini Easter. And of course, every Sunday, what he means is that we do talk about Jesus' victory over death and the resurrection, and so every Sunday is like Easter, but it's not that same day. However, I think that All Saints Day is perhaps uniquely linked to Easter. When we talk about all the other days of the year, all the other celebrations, I think All Saints Day connects most specifically to Easter. Because All Saints Day points us directly to Jesus' victory over death and how in the face of death, as we remember those who have died, one day we will be united again. And therefore, right now, we have strength. And uh, we take comfort and find hope in Jesus' victory and his resurrection. Now, uh, as for the third reason uh, that I wanted to start off with that Easter proclamation this morning, that one you're going to have to wait for. Can't have you tuning out this early. Now, this morning, I want you to do something that I wouldn't normally ask you to do. I'm just in a few moments going to ask you to close your eyes and I want you to listen to my voice as I create a scene for you and I want you to get real creative as you hear the scene that I'm trying to set, okay? And I want you to make sure that you stay awake. I know you all got an extra hour of sleep last night, okay? So I think you can all do it. So right now, I invite you all to close your eyes for me. And I want you to imagine that you are sitting at the head of a table, and, and it's a long table, one that you would find in a grand dining hall, perhaps the finest hall that you've ever been in. And the table stretches from one end of the room all the way to the other. And it's so far that you can barely see how long it goes. You can't even see who's on the other end of it. 
but it's got benches on both sides for people to be able to fill that table. And sitting around the table are your closest family and friends and loved ones, both those who have died and those who are still alive. So these are people that I would say you would invite to a party. And yes, you need to include the one uncle who dresses a little funny and the cousin who always goes into the kitchen and takes the food before it's actually served and he thinks that he's being sneaky, but he's really not because everyone saw him do it. Yeah, include that guy too. And on this table in this grand dining hall, when you look down, it's set the way that perhaps is most familiar to you. Uh, I said that when I look down, when I see this table, I imagine the plates that my dad said were for decoration only. That's how fancy this dinner is. I mean, the silverware there, you have that tiny fork that no one really knows what to do with, but they give it to you anyway. And then I want you to imagine this table, the finest foods you could possibly imagine. All of your favorites right here on this table spread out for you. The finest meats and cheeses, the finest wines and beverages right there. And as you take in, you can smell the food. It fills your lungs. And then I want you to imagine being seated around that table and the noise that fills the room. I want you to think about the laughter echoing off the walls, the stories being shared from time after time, memory after memory, the tears streaming down from the laughter, the smiles gleaming from ear to ear as you sit with all those whom you love. What an incredible celebration, what a wonderful party. Now, I would like you to open your eyes. And perhaps for those of you who need to hear it, please wake up. So what was on that table in front of you? Uh, Was it a nice, well-cooked, juicy turkey? Because, you know, Thanksgiving is close. Or was it maybe a nice, fresh rack of ribs? Maybe it was just some tofu and some vegetables. Maybe it was Chick-fil-A and some chocolate chip cookies. Or maybe that was just me, but that's okay. Who is sitting there with you? Who was gathered at that table? Was it uh, your parents or maybe a child? Uh, Was it one of your favorite aunts and uncles or your best friend maybe? Was it a cousin that you haven't seen in a long time? Was it one of your loved ones who's died? Could you hear their voice again? Uh, Could you see their smile as it came across their face? Maybe you were even able to put a hand on them. Give them a hug once again. The truth is, I don't know who was around that table with you, but you do. And God knows as well. And the reason I asked you to envision that table and that feast this morning is because that is the kind of meal that God invites us to envision this morning. Through the words of the prophet Isaiah, God invites us right there into that special place. As Isaiah said, on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make a feast for all peoples, a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, of rich food filled with marrow, of well-aged wines strained clear. Now, now for the people that Isaiah was writing for, this would have meant a feast that most people probably couldn't even afford, much less imagine being invited to and being able to enjoy. It was the finest that you could possibly imagine. And maybe you were able to kind of create that for yourself, but even still, I bet it doesn't really compare to what Isaiah is talking about, because this feast It's going to be better than anything that we can ever imagine. And even more importantly, this feast is a promise from God that one day we will experience this feast. And the feast that God has prepared for us, it is a feast fit for the saints. But until that day, 
we have to wait for it. And I imagine that, uh, much like me, you probably don't enjoy waiting that much. Um, more particularly, perhaps, waiting in the way that I'm talking about it here, in the way that Scripture talks about it. See, when I say waiting, I'm not talking about how you, you, know, you wait at a restaurant for your food to come to your table, or you wait in the drive-thru to grab your coffee, or you wait in traffic when Google Maps tells you it's 20 minutes and you've already been there for 20 minutes, right? See, in all of those kinds of examples, you generally, and you, when we talk about waiting, you have an idea of how long you're going to have to wait. And knowing how long you have to wait kind of makes it a little bit more manageable. It allows you to set your expectation for how long it's going to be. Now, uh, I want to say, for example, uh, think about something that we've all done, I'm sure, at least in the last year and a half, ordering food online. Uh, when you go and do that, there are a few different options for you to choose. You can choose your food to be ready right away, which could mean 20 minutes or an hour, but you know it's going to be 20 minutes or an hour. Right? Or, uh, of course, even now in some restaurants, you can choose specifically when you want to pick up your food, which really gives you uh, the time to be able to do whatever you else you want to do until you pick up your food. I mean, it, you are quite literally choosing how long you get to wait. It's really nice. You can plan your whole day around that 7 o'clock meal that you're going to pick up, and even if it's not ready in that moment, you know it'll be ready shortly thereafter. You got to choose how long you wait. And uh, the thing about that, the thing about being able to choose how long we wait, it's something that we've not only grown accustomed to, it's kind of an expectation for us, right? I mean, uh, think about when you order something online, like from Amazon, right? Amazon Prime, you have special two-day delivery. Sometimes you can even get a package in 24 hours, right? And you select that, but now you're expecting it to come in two days. And if it doesn't, you know, you're like refreshing the page. Where's the truck? Where's the truck? You hear one, you're wondering if it's coming, if it's your package, and if it doesn't come within two days, you're on the phone, you're finding out where it is. And then, of course, perhaps after the third day, you think to yourself, should've just gone to the store and got it myself. You could've done that the whole time. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. I love being able to choose how long I get to wait for things in my life. I think it certainly makes it quite convenient for me, and I imagine it makes it convenient for you too. And this is not a bad thing. It's a luxury, and it's a great option for us to have to, to make that choice. However, I can't help but also see that it makes visions like the one Isaiah creates for us this morning really hard to actually imagine. I can't help but see that our ability to choose how long we want to wait makes Today, days like today, a little bit more difficult for us. Because today, instead of being able to choose how long we wait, today forces us to see that we are still waiting and we don't get to choose how long. And as we wait, um, I, I imagine that we may find ourselves asking a question that can be found all throughout Scripture. Uh, King David asked this question various times in his life. The Israelites were certainly asking this question when they were listening to the words from the prophet Isaiah, and I imagine it's a question that you may have asked yourself once or twice before, a question that no one else can answer, that only God knows, but only he can answer. And the question is this, how long, O Lord? Now, there are probably plenty of different times that you may have asked this question before for a plethora of reasons, but I draw your attention to it today because I think in one way or another, we've either faced it before or perhaps are facing it right now. I draw your attention to that question today as we face 
the result of living in a broken and a sinful world? I draw your attention to that question this morning. As we come to terms, as we come face to face with the reality of death, and perhaps more pointedly, the death of those that we love. There aren't many words that can be used to describe the feeling of losing someone that you love. And many of us here in this room carry that feeling. Many of us know that feeling perhaps all too well. It's not always something that you can see. It's not always something that uh, you hear about. And yet, if you've felt that before, it's a feeling that you never forget. It's a feeling that I imagine helps us to ask that question, how long, O Lord? How long uh, until we get to celebrate this promised feast How long until we are able to gather again with our loved ones who have died? How long until we can hear them laugh again? How long until we can see their smile again? How long until we can say, I love you, and hear them say, I love you back? How long until we can just hug them again? How long until perhaps we can look into their eyes and see that smile? How long until the tears are wiped away? How long until we're ready to face whatever the next day brings us without the one that we love? How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I don't have an answer to that question. And I can't tell you how long it's going to be But the one thing that we all have, the one thing that we can all do when faced with that question is we can say this, Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. And I know that that doesn't answer that question, but it does remind us that one day that question will be answered. One day we will know how long. One day we will no longer need to ask that question because Christ is risen. And one day, on that very same mountain, the mountain where the feast for all the saints will take place, Isaiah tells us that God will swallow up death forever. That our God, our resurrected Lord, will wipe away the tear from every face, and together we will celebrate the feast for all the saints. Death will be no more. No more pain, no more tear, no more sorrow, no more sadness. Death will be no more because God will swallow it up whole. And I know this is true because he's already done it once. And he did it on a day, in fact, when it looked like death was going to win. A day on the side of a different mountain when uh, people gathered around to see death. Uh, When betrayal and suffering and the sin of the world was on display and death was before everyone. A day in which the life of the world died as the life of the world hung on a cross. And yet on that same night, on that mountain, death was defeated. 
Death was swallowed up whole by Jesus himself. Death did not win, does not win, will never win because of Jesus. Jesus defeats death. He has died and he is victorious over it in his glorious resurrection. And so that means for us that one day death will be no more. That that promise from Isaiah, that promise from God is true in Jesus and one day we will see it. But until that day we cling to that promise. We cling to the reality that it has already been defeated and one day it will be defeated forever. You know, when I started this morning, I mentioned that uh, there were three reasons as to uh, why I started with that Easter proclamation. So first, at least I told you how long you were gonna have to wait. I started with that Easter proclamation this morning because it reminds us of why we are here right now. That Easter proclamation points us to life in the face of death. That Easter uh, proclamation carries us through our hope and our grief and our pain. That Easter proclamation reminds us that one day death will be no more. Those words are words that we can shout with shouts of joy and ones that we can whisper through the tears as they roll down our face. Those words, that Easter proclamation, unites us to the loved ones that we have lost and those that are still with us today. It points us towards that feast of all the saints. And church, as I close this morning, I want you to once again close your eyes. And this time, I want you to imagine that same feast all those people sitting there, your loved ones, both here and those who have died. And I want you to imagine that you're getting ready to enjoy that feast. And that everyone gathered there looks at one another and smiles. And together, you say the words that brought you to that place. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.